Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 173. Happy holidays. I hope you're doing well. Today, we have a very special guest from an amazing educational technology company, and we're going to be asking the question, are you a tech coach or are you something else? You see, the other day I had an opportunity to uh, speak with my guest about some of the new things that he's got going on. He recently left the classroom and now he's taken on a new role. He's not only working with teachers, he's working with coaches, he's working with IT, he's working with school districts, and his position is uh, quite interesting. So today we're going to ask the question, are you a tech coach or are you a teacher success manager? If this is the first time that you're listening to the show, welcome. I hope you guys have a chance to hit that like and subscribe button. We are Ask the Tech Coach. We are here each and every Monday morning at 6 o'clock, and we are going strong into 2022 with a lot of great episodes all about you and how we can help you be the best instructional coach possible. All of our episodes are going to be found over at askthetechcoach.com. Reach reach out to us on Twitter at askthetechcoach and use the hashtag techcoachedu. We'd love to have you guys join our teacher cast tech coaches network i want to bring on today a good friend of mine he is a podcaster and uh i don't know is it fair to say former teacher but still current educator mr scott noon scott how are you today welcome to ask the tech coach hey i'm doing great jeff thanks so much for having me on today and yes i like to think once a teacher always a teacher because that teacher mindset and that Teacher love doesn't go away. I'm still invested in teachers, still invested in education, and I'm just doing it from a different angle now. So one of the reasons I left was I was feeling that I wanted to have a broader reach. I essentially outgrew my district. And so now I'm able to not only communicate with teachers, admin, and students locally, not just nationally, but now globally. And I absolutely love that. We're going to certainly deep dive into that. You know, I was at a conference and somebody said the word teacher is a job. Educator is a lifestyle. And, you know, it's, it's tough times these years, you know, unfortunately, I think I'm saying years now as we're going into the new year. (laughs) Um, But you recently made a tough decision to leave the classroom and, uh, you are now working for an amazing company, one that I certainly love and support and am an ambassador of. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what are you doing these days? Yeah. Thanks so much for asking that question. I think I'll start um, by sharing that I work for Canva. I'm a district engagement advocate. And what that is in a nutshell for those somewhat familiar with sales is I'm essentially an AE, um, an account executive, a CSM, a customer success manager, 
and an SDR, a sales district representative, all rolled in one and throw in a little IT and you have a district engagement advocate. So we do it all. And I'm bringing my expertise as a former graphic designer, as a former educator, and as a former ed tech coach to kind of round off the position and essentially serve teachers. So that servant leadership that tech coaches have, that doesn't go away. I'm just transferring those skills into a new role. And so I'm still all about empowering teachers and creating student investment in the classroom. But instead of doing it with 100 plus ed tech tools, I'm doing it with one great tool. And I have to add just one more caveat. I don't formally speak for Canva. So anything I say on the show is just representative of me and not of the company. Absolutely. And as you guys know, we use Canva here exclusively for all of our graphics. I've been a Canva ambassador uh, well before for, for many years. I mean, I know Canva education is out there. It's free. If you guys don't know that, any teacher can have a free Canva account. You can also get your school district signed up. This is not a sponsored podcast. Uh, Canva is not uh, working with TeacherCast in any way other than the fact that I've been using it for oh, at least five or six or seven years at this point. So we love our, our Canva here, and we're thankful to Scott. And Scott, you didn't even mention the best part about what you do. You are a uh, podcaster, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. So I have Education Today, my flagship podcast. You can listen to it at anchor.fm backslash ed today. And I love being a podcaster. It's great. I feel like podcasting is the best professional development out there. That's what allowed me to scale from the classroom to my ed tech coach position. And now this district engagement advocate position, it really just helped me grow. I could curtail all of my learning. I feel like sometimes the university system is a little too cookie cutter, at least for me. I didn't get to pick and choose. The same went for my formal education in English literature. I didn't get to read what I wanted to read, right? I didn't have that student choice. And it was really boring at times, not knocking on the professors. It's just an antiquated way of doing things. And I find myself being very engaged and excited when I'm learning about what I want to learn about. I can find a way to make it relate to the content um, at the heart of a course. And I've essentially just designed my own courses. Nice. Let's take a look at this. We've been trying to figure out over the last 173 episodes, what is a tech coach instructional coach what does a tech coach do how do they do it and we like to define a tech coach really as somebody who works in the classroom to help teachers learn how to use and implement educational technology strategies etc to my understanding your role as and we'll just call it a csm a customer success yeah. manager that is also somebody who works with districts, buildings, teachers, etc., the end user to help them learn how to use and and distribute and, and make use of educational technology. And to your point, instead of a coach having to focus on a hundred applications, you are just focusing right now on the one that you are working with, Canva in this case. Do you see any similarities? I I, I know you're oh, new to the totally. role, but between a coach and a CSM. 
Totally. And just to add and define slightly differently what a tech coach is to me, I feel like it's deeply personal, but what I've come to know the role as and also district engagement advocate or customer success manager is this, you're in the business of helping others be a better version, if not the best version of themselves. So you're not dictating what that looks like, but you are empowering others to become the best version of themselves. And as a tech coach, you have that tech angle, or if you're a content specific uh, instructional coach, you're helping with that specific angle. It's like a sub uh, specialty, if you will. So I love it. You're getting people to invest in themselves and invest in a skill. One of the things that I love about my position, and I know other tech coaches out there have this same kind of setup that I do of one minute you're working with a teacher, one minute you're working with a principal, and next minute you're in pre-K, and then you're working with your district's cabinet members. And I love the fact that I have the opportunity to bounce back and forth. It gives me the opportunity to learn about all those different layers of a school district. I love that it gives me the opportunity to learn how to speak with all those dis all those different layers. As an example, working and speaking to a second grade teacher is so different than working and speaking to a high school biology teacher. And of course, it's completely different than speaking to the tech director, the IT lead. <laughs> I yeah. know your position also allows that too, right? You need to bounce back and forth between your end users, working with IT, working with teachers, working with coaches. How has your life as a coach prepared you to be in a CMS role? That's an excellent question. I think having coached and taught through the beginning parts of the pandemic have greatly helped because in addition to having to be well-versed from, in my instance, uh, pre-K through adult ed and all of the admin and all of the support staff that additionally support those positions, I've had to do that with tech. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I think one of the greatest challenges for me when I started out was supporting elementary and specifically pre-K. So you're introducing technology. These people may not have experienced technology at all. I know we tend to think of this newest generation as digital natives, and I would say many and most are, but not everyone. And so how do you break tech up into its most simplest form? What are the foundational building blocks. And I think that's a great place to start because then you can use that for those veteran teachers who are maybe not so tech savvy. And that's what I did to leverage great outcomes in our district. How do you do that? Like, what's your strategy? I know for <laughs> myself, I am constantly reminding myself of who I'm speaking with, right? I, 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 I sometimes, you know, you, you find yourself speaking to a cabinet member or a, a principal and you're like, oh, wait, you're not in second grade. Hold on. And you have to like upshift or downshift or, you know, you're, you're talking to somebody who clearly does not need to know about lesson plans. They need to know about the IT, the why, you know, the back end reason 
why you're asking. Have, what's your strategy, especially now that you're working with multiple districts, you might not have a chance to really get to know somebody. How do you upshift and downshift your layer of conversational topics? That's excellent. I think what folks need to get really good at, and it takes practice, is quickly assessing a situation and doing as much homework as you can. So sometimes you'll get thrown into situations where there isn't time for you to do any pre-work to find out what the need of the user or users are. But I would say start there. If you have time, try and do that. And then... Um, I would, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm looking at a comment from Jeff. <laughs> it's making me laugh. Um, <laughs> and uh, I identify uh, those needs right away. So if you've done your homework, it makes it a little easier. But let's say you get thrown into there like I was thrown in. And uh, just because I had to hit the ground running, I didn't have time for formalized training. And before I knew it, here I am helping teachers that have never used tech or rarely used tech and working with these pre-K individuals. And I had to ask what are the skills that are missing? And I mapped them out and then came back. I gave myself some homework, some things to work on. So maybe that first initial visit, that first initial help session wasn't great, but I would always give myself something to do. And I would give those that I was working to support something to do. So homework's kind of a nasty word, but um, I think most people know what it is. So we would each have, um, essentially uh, task items, right? Or kind of like our call to action after the end of that, that meeting. And usually by that follow-up or the second follow-up, uh, people would be in a much better place. When we're looking at working on all these different levels, I, I find myself making sure that at all conversations and all aspects of the day, you know, I need to be organized. I don't want to ever walk away from a meeting and say, what did we just talk about? Or, you know, go into a certain situation and not be prepared for a conversation or at least not know the full thing. How did you stay organized as a coach? And I'll throw the same question at you. How did that organizational structure prepare you to now working in a ed tech company? How, what did you do? What are you using now? Maybe shed some tips, tricks, and maybe some of the tools that you're used to using. <laughs> yeah, that that's a, a tough one. I'm still working on my organization. It's always a work in progress. So I don't have like some super polished system that always works and uh, I rely on and it's so well polished and packaged that I could just give it to anyone and everyone and sell it and it's going to solve the world's problems. That is not my strong suit. But what I have done is I've begged and borrowed from those in my PLN and asked what has worked for them and then kind of added my own touches to that. Um, I, I do want to kind of go back to that other question. I thought of something that's really important for tech coaches and customer success managers. Uh, the number one thing is rapport. And I'll leave it at that. You need to know who you're serving. You need to identify with them and you need to find commonalities in order to better serve them. And now back to the 
organization question, I think that plays a direct part with that. You have to know yourself. How do you tick? What makes you work? Um, are you like me? Do you need everything kind of on your desktop? Because if you don't see it, you won't know where to look. So for me, that works. But my coworkers, they have a folder and a folder and a folder system that works really well for them. So everybody's needs and styles are going to be different. I say, try one for a while, you know, two weeks at least, see how it works. And then if that's not working, then try something else. And go ahead, Jeff. I, I, it's, it's interesting because of exactly what you just said, right? Try something and try something else. I remember when we first got into uh, this podcast, 170 some episodes ago, you know, I was Google based and I was what you just said, you know, we're going to put a folder and a folder and a folder. And then you realize that in Google, you can have a folder that's in multiple folders. Oh, that's great. Look at this. But then recently of two years ago, I moved everything over to an office system and now everything is organized in, in teams and in OneNote and in docs. And, and I've been automating a lot of features and, and your organization is your organizational structure should be constantly evolving, right? It, it's the one thing right. that you should always be double checking on. And, and I always say to, to teachers, I'm sure you're the same way, you know, five minutes a day is certainly better than 45 minutes on the end of a Friday. Always make sure that yes. you're updating yourself. Yes. And, and make time for that. Block off your calendar. So I always block off the first 90 minutes of my day. Those are my most effective. It doesn't mean I won't take a call. doesn't mean I won't ever shift. But that is when I am most productive. And that's when I do my best work in terms of ideating and thinking through things. And all of that planning really shifts into making me really good at what I do during the rest of the day. It, it's essentially like when you're building a building, you need that strong foundation. And so um, at the beginning of the day, I have a small reflection and then I kind of just tinker a little bit and play with some ideas. I identify pain points for myself, for any of the individuals I'm helping, and then just kind of work those things out. How, how can I do this better? How can they do this better? Uh, who out there is an expert? Is there somebody in my PLN I can reach out to? And I just shared this the other day and I encourage everyone to do the same. This is why I failed as a graphic designer. Um, I didn't have a network before I needed it. So develop your network now and foster that network, be an active participant in it. So when others need you, you're available, but vice versa. When you need them, they're available. Don't um, try to look for a new position, a new job uh, when you've absolutely reached your max. Start considering those options before. Always place yourself in a position to pivot like many of us have had to do because we were forced to with the pandemic, but always kind of keep that there. And one thing I'll add to um, the organization pieces at the end of the day, there's always a work reflection. And then at the end of my day, before I go to bed, there's a deeply personal reflection. And that helps. I think many of the most successful people across all fields have some form of 
reflection. And I think it's Blaise Pascal that said, if people just spent time uh, in silence reflecting, there would be no wars. And I really like that quote. I'm paraphrasing, but uh, I found that highly inspiring. You, you you keep mentioning the concept of of working with your PLN and and as a tech coach and in the you know time I've spent researching CMS roles and stuff like that trying to compare these two there's a lot of similarities to that too right I, I'm sure that you're a part of Absolutely. a team right like you've got a goal that your 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 company is moving in you've got a goal that your team is moving in but at the end of the day like every coach you kind of are an entrepreneur. You are in your building, in your position, and and they are looking for you to be your own boss, to be your own leader, to have your own ideas and to make sure that, you know, you just have to create the job. I would assume for you, there's a lot of similarities between that aspect of being a team, but also being an individual and the work you're doing right now in that CMS uh, district level role. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be your own boss. That's huge. So time management is very important. And I mentioned blocking things off on your calendar. I I don't like it in a sense, but it's the only way I've found to achieve more and achieve at a high level. And that's really to live on my calendar. <laughs> so I put everything. In fact, when I was telling uh, Jeff about coming on the podcast, I'm like, I got to get it on the calendar <laughs> because otherwise yeah, I may forget I'm juggling so many things. So just keeping it real right now, I'm juggling a move, new job, have four kids. I know Jeff can, can relate to the kid situation and moving. It's a lot. And then uh, I'm working on a, a book with Codebreaker uh, talking about leading where you're at. And that's another part. You need to lead where you're at, get information from the troops, from the people doing the thing that you're supporting. Because almost instantly when you leave the classroom, you, you start to lose some of those skills. So stay sharp. Uh, make sure that you're working with the team and you find those experts with those you're serving so that you can have people that sort of report to you. It doesn't need to be formal, right? They don't need to even be part of your organization, but people that are feeding you streams of information that are beneficial and it shouldn't just be a take, it should be a give and take. And it may not even be a mutual reciprocity. Maybe you take from some, but you really don't give back, but you give to others. And I think there's this understanding that you kind of pay it forward. And if ever you can, you give back. And I think you start with giving back. You don't start with taking. I got that advice from um, a, a semi-viral entrepreneur, Patrick Bet David. So I've really shifted my thinking with not what, you know, not trying to gain from people, but what can I offer? You never know. So just being there for people and that served me really well. I love that advice, right? Because as a coach, you're mostly in those positions to give, right? And and mm -hmm. when you do need to take, those are the important times because you 
don't know the answer, you don't have the information at that point, you're like, Scott, I need something. What do you got? But it's important to keep in mind that there are times where Scott needs something. And it's, look, if I can share, if I can build, if I can give, if I can mentor or coach, or we're all here helping each other out. I would assume that just like with coaches having their own circle of trust, there's a CMS circle of trust where you sit there and go, all right, how do I do this? You know, this worked well in this district, but it didn't work well in that district. I mean, we do this as coaches at the same time with teachers. How come Mrs. Smith is doing really well with technology integration, but Mrs. Brown is not? Right. And that's a big challenge. And sometimes you may have to stretch yourself a bit and spend more time with the Mrs. Browns and help them out, but it will pay off. So something I would do when I was in the classroom was, Everybody else would do their syllabus and then get into content that very first week. Those were the things. I didn't do that. We didn't really touch content in my classroom. We, We touched it soon, but we didn't touch it for points or for grade right away. We worked on building relationships first to identify the needs, I quickly identified what are the strengths and weaknesses of those I'm serving in the classroom. I started ideating and planning. So coming up with a custom plan that served them, not a cookie cutter thing and taking this model and trying to fit it to each of my students or each of my classes, I quickly identified sets of goals for each of my students, some smart goals, if you will. And then I had them develop their own goals. So I walked them through that process following the PSYOP method that um, I do, we do, you do uh, when you're working with multiple individuals. And I would say do that as a customer success manager, as a teacher success manager, you are there to help. You're not there to do the work. Yes, you'll show them. Yes, you can guide them kind of like the mentor on the hero's journey, bringing in that ELA expertise there. But then eventually you're going to set them free and they're going to experience some growth and change on their own. One of my favorite and greatest successes was um, with an elementary teacher. She did not know how to use tech like at all. Like we had to start from the beginning. Like here's a browser. Here's what you do. Like the fundamentals. I've been there. Right. It it happens. And that's okay. You have to be patient, right? Um, you just have to accept it. You, you can't I've, get mad. <laughs> I've been there. I, I've told that story on the show many times. You're working with somebody who's very much against what you're doing, who you are and what you represent. And my person um, didn't know how to share a Google Doc. And it took me like a half an hour of yes. working on personal conversations. Hi, how's your family? How's your kids? What you doing? Did you like what music? All the... And she's like, I have a confession for you. And then after that, we, we were best friends. And, and yes. I love those tech code stories. I'm assuming it's the same way when you're a district's like, yeah, we don't, we don't do this yet. And these are the reasons why. Right. And with that user, they're very much like that. Like their confession was not only do I not like tech, not only do I not want to use tech, I hate tech. And I'm like, oh no. I said, give me a couple <laughs> sessions. I feel confident I can change your mind once I show how this technology can save you time and make your life easier. 
So I identified a pain point. Uh, there were two of them. She didn't like tech, actually hated tech. And then two, I needed to show this individual how the tech was going to help. So um, I, I did that in time and then they were using technology and fast forward towards the end of the year um, when they weren't forced to use the technology anymore. And I said, Hey, are you know, are you going to go back to all your worksheets, all your paper and pencil stuff? And she said, you know what, Scott, I love technology. And she thanked me and she said, I'm not going back. And that was like the best success story. So be in it to win it um, and stick with it. Right. That was not easy at the beginning by any means, but the end outcome was well worth it. And the same goes with customer success. Uh, I haven't had too many yet. But I'll tell you what, the IT stuff, working through SSO setups and SAML, that's probably my greatest weakness right now. And I'm working to make it a strength. And uh, there was a call that was rough and I had a coworker walk me through it. And you know what? It was painful. But now I won't make that mistake again. So it's okay to fail, but turn those uh, failures into micro failures so you can then have macro successes later that's something that gary v talks about so it, it sounds like you missed the coaching job already <laughs> you know i do um i do but i'm doing a lot of that i feel like my reach is greater and my impact is greater so that's what keeps me excited. And in this position, they've awarded me kind of like a genius hour or 20 time project where 20% of my time, I get to kind of do what I want, uh, which is great. And so with that, I'm working on minor content creation and community building, which I love. So I'm able to still find my creative outlet. I'm still able to be innovative and I get to share a product I really believe in. I wouldn't be working for Canva if I didn't believe in it. And what I love is their commitment to being free forever for K-12 educators. Talking today to Scott Noons all about what the difference is and what the similarities are between being an instructional coach and a customer success manager. And, you know, Scott, one of the things that we talk about here is making sure you're keeping track of your numbers you know data is yes. king when it comes to all of these things i know for coaches uh you know we talk about this a lot on the show too you know what teachers are you working with what topics are you getting asked for how many it calls are you getting how many times are you being uh used and how are you using the classrooms these are all things that we've created even if you go over to ask the tech we've got some free giveaways and free videos for how to make these kinds of data dashboards what does a data dashboard look like for a a, a customer success manager what are some of the, the is it called kpis that that are important to you <laughs> yeah it's all about the kpis right those uh, key performance indicators how do you know 
that you're on track, what data points are important, and how are you achieving your goals? Having objective metrics is key. I used to serve on a board with Jim Coleman, CEO of Gallo Winery, uh, the largest family-owned winery in the world. So I was very blessed to have some tutelage from him. And he said, it's all about the metrics, right? You know, data is king. And I started really developing metrics for myself and in the classroom and in the tech coach role, I used Microsoft planner. So which teachers am I serving? How am I serving them? Which projects do I have? And I created like a little data dashboard, something like you might see on monday.com, something like that. So, you know, where am I at? Am I meeting my goals, my timeline? Uh, you have to find something that works for you. Maybe it's not digital even, maybe it's, um, on a whiteboard. Um, when I served um, as a volunteer for a media company and advertising agency, that's what they used. They had a giant whiteboard and that was really cool. You walk in, you can clearly see what your metrics are. And so now in this role, a lot of that is automated for me and I love it. It tracks all of that data for me. So I don't have to go and design my own um, spreadsheets and uh, bar graphs and pivot charts and all of those things. I can just manipulate the data and get that. And some of the key things are, you know, for me, how many schools, how many districts am I helping? That'd be one KPI. And then another one is how many people are using the tool? And that's a good metric for, you know, how how well I am doing at showcasing all of the things that this tool can do. So for example, with Canva, it's awesome at the four C's. It does them all. I feel like this is a tool that can genuinely help all educators in achieving the four C's. Plus it will save you money and also has the potential or sorry, has will save you time. <laughs> I got ahead of myself and it has the potential to save you money on print costs and things like that. Well, we certainly love using Canva. We've been using it for the last so many years. All my business cards are done in Canva. My shirts are done in Canva. I haven't quite gotten into all the new features out there. I mean, the company is just doing so many things. You've got video, you've got graphics, you've got animated things, you've got integrations with all the different apps. It works with Microsoft Teams. What can't Canva do? What are some of the things that you're excited about with Canva in the future here? I'm not asking you to give away any of the trade secrets now, <laughs> but but this is the end of the podcast and yes. I don't know who's, who's still listening. So now's a great time <laughs> to share all the secrets. What can we be looking forward to in the future with Canva? Ooh, as far as new features... You're right. I can't share those, but I, <laughs> but there are a lot. And I think of that song, you ain't seen nothing yet. So I like to add on top of what you said, is there anything you can't do in Canva? I would agree. Test that product out, break it. Show me what it can't do. Let me take that back to our amazing design and engineering team. And let's make that dream a reality. Because if you can dream it, you can do it with 
Canva. A few of the most recent tools that I want to highlight are the draw tool that's in beta. Tisha Richmond's been doing it great job showcasing what that can do for things like sketch notes. Stacy Rashawn has busted out her Wacom board and showed how you can use it for math lessons. And in conjunction with Flipgrid, um, Canva app smashes super well. I just did uh, a show with Flipgrid where we showed many of the different ways, but not even all the ways because there's so many. Um, of the ways that you can app smash Canva with products like Flipgrid. And then lastly, the background removal tool. In fact, Jeff, we were playing with that right before the show. Our buddy Absolutely. Tim Cavey showed us how to do that cool glow feature. So that's something um, the both of us may be using in the future. There's a lot of great things that you can do over there with Canva. And of course, we've got some great Canva tutorials over on TeacherCast. And if you go to teachercast.net slash YouTube, you can check all those things out. And who knows? Maybe you'll see a few more things going on between Jeff and Scott. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here for a second. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Scott, where do we find out more about the great things that you're doing? Uh, and please plug your podcast. Yes. So I'm most active on social media on Twitter, but you can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook at Mr. Noon's Teach. You can follow the podcast, Education Today, at anchor.fm backslash edtoday. And... I am going to be launching the start of scottnoons.com. So check that out. It's going to be simple at first, but I just need to get something out there, right? You have to start small. Like we might do in the classroom, you have to chunk it. So rather than waiting for this big thing, right? The 45 minutes at the end of the week, Jeff was talking about, I'm busting it out in small little chunks. So um, check that out. Give me some feedback. I'd love to hear from all of you. And if anyone needs any support with this great tool, Canva, or anything else, don't hesitate to reach out. Scott, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with this. I've been thinking about this whole concept over the last few weeks of teacher success manager, right? Can we officially call ourselves teacher success managers? We are that person that gets to be a part of a team, yet we're our own individual entrepreneurs. We are creating content. We're bouncing all around. Our calendar is our guide. And yet we're still focusing on things like making sure that SAMR foresees, et cetera, are running rampant. If I've said it once on this show, I've said it a hundred times, you can help a teacher that's helping 30 students. If you help a principal, you're helping 30 teachers. If you help a superintendent, you're helping 30 buildings. And if you can help 30 school districts, just look at the differences that you can make in the world. I truly believe that as an instructional coach, we are out here doing the best that we can each and every day to help our students learn these digital learning skills. We're not here to teach technology. We're here to make sure that we are enhancing the curriculum through our digital learning skills. And that really is the basis of this podcast. If you look back over the last 12 months, we started doing a book, a book conversation on coaching matters where we've looked at what is a coach? How does it work? What's the importance of having an administrative team that supports you? How do you get in? We did a lot of work with friends like Scott and other great ed tech companies to talk about how we can leverage not only the educational technology in the classroom, but our friends making the educational technology and how we can merge all of that together. And I am really looking forward to some of the great things that are going to be happening here in 2022. 
Guys, that wraps up the 2021 episodes of Ask the Tech Coach. I hope you found this great. If you do, please do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, click on that like button. You can, of course, join our free TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network by heading over to askthetechcoach.com, signing up. We have almost, almost 400 instructional coaches all there at the same time working together to support each other. I'm going to make sure that Scott's in there too so that way he can support us with his Canva needs. But we want to make sure that we're giving you guys the best show possible. Check it out over there. And of course, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach. Guys, on behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, and on behalf of my co-host, Sue Vincent, I hope you have a great and healthy holiday month, time of year, whatever this is. We are going to be back in the early parts of January with a lot of great topics, a lot of great shows, and we hope that you guys have an opportunity to check us out. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this with your TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network people. Guys, keep up the great work in your classrooms. Continue sharing your passions. Happy holidays. And we'll see you in 2022. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.